We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everyone, before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and e-learning courses full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part? It's only $15, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle's an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance in the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. And Jack, the streak ended tonight against the Dallas Mavericks. Nets lost 115-98. How are we feeling, Jack? Oh, TLC. Oh, me. <laughs> oh, me. Oh, my. Yeah, I mean, it was a rough performance pretty much all around. Some guys, you know, had worse games. We're going to talk about that. But, as always, you can find the Brooklyn Buzz on all streaming platforms, including otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. But, Jack, this one just kind of got off to a bad start and it felt like the Nets put in a lot of energy to get themselves back in it. And then by the time the second half hit, they had no juice. And obviously Kyrie Irving not playing tonight didn't help either. No, it was a really inconsistent performance. You know, we heard about Kyrie Irving's uh, uh, injured shoulder and Sean Marks speaking to ESPN about the fact that there was some, you know, it was flaring up a little bit, but it's not a a long-term issue, which is positive. Same thing with Kevin Durant and, 
and obviously his injury and him not coming back, you predicted it, Nick, on the last buzz. And so I think, you know, the abundance of caution as to steal the words from the NBA themselves and what they did with their, <laughs> our boy Free KD, um, I think that this in this realm, I think it makes the most sense. And we could have used him tonight. Um, at the same time, it just seemed to me that the Nets were just not engaged, uh, really, really inconsistent on both ends. And you, know, you can't be against the Dallas Mavericks team who, while they are under 500, is much better than their record suggests. Especially offensively. They have some firepower they can get going. And like you said, the Nets being shorthanded didn't help. I just think it was one of those games where they just didn't have that pop. But, you know, credit to Dallas. I thought they had some good plays. They turned up the defense in the second half, made some nice adjustments, and really put pressure on James Harden, forcing the ball out of his hands. And that's where you miss a guy like Kyrie Irving. You miss a guy like Kevin Durant. Even even to a smaller extent, you miss a guy like Tyler Johnson who was dealing with migraines. Yeah, because it does. It means that your second greatest uh, shots taken by a player isn't going to be TLC because you got some shots for some other players out there. That stat, just looking at the box score right now, to me, Nick, is... Boggling, mind-boggling in so many different respects. You know, we still have Bruce Brown who's, who can get some stuff going. Joe Harris, obviously. Jeff Green, these guys are much better offensive players. And 12 shots for TLC, it's it's something. Yeah, I mean, and he also just had that super cold stretch in the third quarter where he was just missing wide-open threes left and right. He knocks down a couple of those. You know, this might be a different game. The Nets are still in it, or at least maintain it to the fourth quarter. Like you said, I feel like the Nets didn't do a good job adjusting to how Dallas played James Harden because it ended up with TLC shooting open shots or guys being in positions that they didn't want to be in. And obviously, given they didn't have the extra ball handlers, that hurts too. But they weren't necessarily prepared for that. And I feel like that's something you're bound to see with James Harden without the other superstars. Yeah, and sometimes the lineups that were out there was just yeah. like, I, I mean, I understand the injuries and, and at times you have to play guys and you know, we saw Chris Chioza out there for periods and Nicholas Claxton and Roberson and DJ and then lineups with an amalgamation of three of those guys as well, which was just very, very odd and very, very strange. So, you know, I, I thought despite the injuries, I still do think that this rotation we had tonight probably had enough to, to get the W. I, I thought that, you know, uh, James Harden uh, was probably his worst game as a Brooklyn Net, despite the numbers uh, aren't too bad. You know, seven boards, six dimes, 29 points, seven of eight from the line, four of 11 from three, nine of 21 from the field. The the game plan on him to double him on, on most, if not all occasions, and let anyone else beat us. And But they were also at the same time... Rick Carlisle and the coaching staff had a really good game plan to nullify Joe Harris's impact from the perimeter too. So if it's not going to be Joe James Harden, if it's not going to be Joe Harris, then it's going to be TLC taking 12 shots. Um, if I'm the Dallas Mavericks, I'm pretty damn happy with that, and the game plan certainly worked. Yeah, like you said, I thought James Harden got his in the first half. I think he had 25 points, and then in the second half, only having four points, and they definitely did a good job containing him. He looked a little frustrated. Then I feel like when he gets frustrated, his defense gets worse. And that's, we saw a couple possessions like that tonight. Just a couple lazy possessions on both ends from everybody. And like you said, going back to the lineups, like you have Roberson out there with DeAndre Jordan, like your spacing is going to be rough, especially in the way in which they were playing James Harden, you know, sending the double teams. Like they were just able to collapse the paint on everything. And it's just, you just can't play guys that can't shoot with the, when the other team is just kind of setting everything to the middle and they have bodies down there. Yeah, it's, it's just not going to work. And I think that, we could have used I mean Bruce Brown played 32 minutes a lot of that was in junk time but it seemed to me that there wasn't enough time of Bruce and James on the floor together or there just wasn't enough activity it seems that just the the nets were just a bit going through the motion somewhat and 
Look, yep. it's a it's a one game sample size. We'll move on from this. Eight straight wins is something that you know you'll take any day of the week. And you know the Dallas Mavericks are certainly going to be motivated. They're now at five hundred. They're now you know wanted to to put up a good show. Porzingis is back in New York. Um, guys are throwing jabs at him in the in the crowd apparently, and he's giving them death stares. So look, the Mavericks are a good team. The Nets had a, an opportunity to get this one. They went on some mini ones here and there. The second quarter was a, a decent response, but then in the last half. You're not going to win in many games scoring 34 points and a half. Yeah, especially this Nets team. It's so interesting. Obviously, missing the players, but not being able to produce points. Credit to Dallas. And like we said, some of the lack of adjustments from the Nets offense. They just really didn't play well enough. They obviously didn't shoot super well in this game, but just the effort level and just the playing of basketball wasn't great tonight. I think what they have, 19 turnovers? A lot. Yeah. Let's just say a lot. It was a very large number. And in the first half, they had about 14, and the, the Mavericks had 24 points off of that. Take away 24 points or shave that in half. It, it changes the game entirely. And it's yep. not. Uh, and I think some of it was, you know, a quality defensive game plan from the Mavs. And I think also it was from the Nets not, you know, pushing the ball and moving the ball better that we sort of have seen in, in certain games. There was probably one really nice play where that ball fizzed around. You know, Bruce Brown made a nice little short roll, kicked it out to, to Landry Shamet. We didn't see enough of those kind of plays tonight, Nick, whereas over this winning streak, the ball movement has been amazing. The, the assist numbers have been up like crazy. You know, it's weird saying James Harden only having six assists tonight. Um, so in, in saying all that, I think that there wasn't enough ball movement and engagement on that end of the floor. You know, it just wasn't a good game offensively and defensively. Yeah, and we kind of talked about this in the DMs. Some of the players just weren't very decisive in the way Dallas was playing defense. Like, you needed to be more decisive. It's like, hey, had the quick trigger on the three-point shot or drive directly to the rim. We saw guys kind of get caught in that in-between a little bit. We're even trying to do too much inside the paint. Yeah, and I think we can chat about TLC, I guess, Nick, because he shouldn't have been starting. Like, it's simple as that. Start DJ, start Claxton. Like, yeah. small ball was just... It, I get trying to force the other team to defend you, but when you only have James Harden as your offensive weapon, it's very easy to just go, okay, let's hone in everything here, and how else are we going to be able to actually score when James Harden it creates so much for this team? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It was something like he created 51 points a game on his, off his passing and, and off his own back. I saw ESPN sort of tweet out. So I just think that it was the wrong decision by Steve Nash to, to start TLC. He's not a starter. Um, he's a rotation player at best. 
And if you had Claxton or DJ starting, I think things could have gone differently um, and it could have arrested some momentum, uh, especially at the early points of the game. I agree, Jack. I think KP got some really easy shots to start the game where it was just like he's literally a foot taller than the guy defending him. Like, that's just too easy. You know what I mean? There's too many times. Even Luca just felt like he was able to get in the paint and do what he wanted at will. There wasn't really much rim protection. So having a guy like DJ out there or Nick Clax. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. For the ones standing guard, for the eagle-eyed, for the knights in shining armor, and for all those who support them, we are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Ranger.com slash safety, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And I thought Clark, uh, Claxton wasn't, you know, amazing tonight, but he still showcased that switchability. And I think that's such a big factor if you want to play that switching style defense and still maintain your spacing to an extent. Obviously, we haven't saw the three-point ball fully, but we know that's something that he does have in the bag. Yeah, look, in a, in a night where most players who played some semblance of decent rotation minutes – to be only minus four. In, and Claxton was out there for meaningful minutes yeah. in these 13 minutes. You know, he only had a couple of points. He had a couple of boards, had an assist. Did have a nice little block as well. You know, the the foul on Luca. I think Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson actually dissected that one pretty well. Ultimately, that's the rule book. And, you know, we see guys like Dwayne Wade. We see probably some of our own James Harden and yep. some of the other guys sort of do that sort of foul baiting stuff. So at the end of the day, you, you respect the Luca's intelligence to be able to do that against a young player who probably should be a bit... Or be, He's a little overzealous. That, yeah. And look, I, I think his zealousness... And an eagerness is something that is, is providing this team energy. Yep. And when he was out there, you know, the, the one love dunk that, you know, you just, he's just a, a heck of an athlete. A lot of the times when he was switched out into the perimeter on Luca, you know, that was probably his only poor possession guarding him one on one. You know, he's, a, he's, he's something that the team needs in, in spades. And, you know, he almost had more, more minutes than DeAndre. He had the same minutes as DeAndre Jordan tonight. So it's something to keep an eye on going forward, whether, we do see more of Nick Claxton. You know, what's going to happen when Kevin Durant's inserted, you know, the small ball and such, does one of those guys totally get relegated? I mean, the match it's going to be matchup dependent, but the way Nicholas Claxton is playing, I'm glad that he did get those minutes because I think a lot of us who were watching the game sort of feared, okay, he's out of the rotation now. We're starting Jeff Green at the five and DJ is going to be the backup. But thankfully, Claxton was out there, gave us some spurts of energy, um, some solid defensive engagement, but not enough, I guess, at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, not, you know, one player can't dictate the team, and obviously he's not that level of player yet, but like you said, Jack, he's almost forcing Steve Nash's hand. Like, it's like he's showcasing that defensive versatility in which his team lacks is because, I mean, he's a better perimeter defender than a, a good chunk of guards on this team, it feels like. You know what I mean? Already at such a young age, I saw our guy Chandler Harper tweet out, and he's usually, you know, gives out criticism. He said he thinks that he's one of the best, you know, uh, he's an elite switch defender already, you know, already oh. being a sophomore player. And you just see the fluid fluidity in his movements out there. He just looks very comfortable. It doesn't he doesn't look flustered at all. And he's ready to, you know, go one on one with Luca, not be, be beat. So 
I'm excited to see what he can do. And I like the flexibility and the versatility Steve Nash is going to have in the future now. Like, there's a chance he could play a lineup that has Jeff Green, Kevin Durant, and Nick Claxton. And the Nets could actually play big. Yeah, and that's three quality defenders right there. Yep. You know, and, and, and I think, you know, how often can you play that against, you know, Joel Embiid, maybe Nicole Jokic? Who knows? But I want to see Claxton given those opportunities. You know, yeah. throughout this season because ultimately you know if you don't experiment with him against those big bruises those really dominant centers in the league today how are you going to know whether you can go to that you know when the, the the minutes matter even more so i think like all the things that you alluded to nick as soon as he was inserted i'm like this kid's made for our switching defense he is something that looking and, and i will also give credit to deandre jordan tonight he's yeah. becoming more comfortable switching onto the perimeter sometimes he's a little bit late sometimes he's doing a little bit too much but he's 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 like you know what I'm going to take this I'm going to do this this is what we're we're doing as a team right now and I'm going to be a part of this and he's doing good things out there too you know he's not amazing Claxton has much more physical gifts he's a much younger player than he is as well but at the same time the the fact that both of these guys as the sort of leaders of this defense as the centers in the, in this defense now I'm more comfortable obviously with Claxton but for them to show that level of motivation is a good sign across the board. Yeah, I think with DJ, it's the effort thing. It's almost like when he singled out to play one-on-one defense on the perimeter against a good player, he's like, okay, I don't want to get embarrassed out here. And it's almost like he turns it up a gear. So, you know, I didn't think it was a bad game from him. It was really a limited role. And like we kind of alluded to earlier, playing him with Roberson or even Bruce Brown, it's hard to really connect on those lobs because typically they're defended by a big player. And that's kind of just like we talked about before, just closing down the paint. The awful lineups, awful, awful yeah. lineups. You cannot have guy lineups where it's just two floor spaces in the modern NBA. You know, maybe the old Brooklyn Nets had that when you had Rondé Hollis, Jefferson, <laughs> Timofey, Mozgov, and these sort of dudes out there. But the Brooklyn Nets have a plethora of offensive talent. Roberson is an offensive negative. I liked him yeah. more on the offensive boards tonight. He did hit a three in garbage minutes. It reminded me of Ben Simmons against the Cleveland Cavaliers tonight. You know, hitting the three when it doesn't even matter. But ultimately, that's a good thing. And his mechanics looked okay. He looked a bit more comfortable at the free throw line. So I think we know what he can do defensively. I think he just needs to show us the offensive package. And, and can he actually be a something out there? You know, because... There were times where, you know, James Harden drives hard and draws the defense and obviously Robeson's out there in the corner, kicks it out to him and he just immediately passes it. It's just like, look, Bruce Brown's taking that shot and he's not hitting all of them, but at the same time, he's at least taking it. So I'd rather him take those shots in in these sort of games, even if he does miss it and the air balls or whatever. We saw Joe Harris shoot an air ball today. So if Andre Robeson shoots an air ball, it's not that big of a deal because the best goddamn three-point shooter in the league did it. So... I think Robeson needs to keep showing us and wanting to show us more offensively. Yeah, it's going to definitely be interesting. And credit to Dallas because I think they did a good job. They had like Porzingis on Bruce Brown. So that was like, okay, we're going to give you rim protection. We'll live with those Bruce Brown threes. But going to Robeson, like you're saying, Jack, I'm not sure he has it offensively. He just doesn't look super confident, and we know his game. It's not like he's going to magically become an offensive player. So I think that's some of the concern. There are still lineups where you can probably find him opportunities out there. It's just going to be tough to play him next to Bruce Brown or DeAndre Jordan. Like, everybody else on the floor is going to have to be able to shoot threes. And like you said, he's still going to have to take some and keep him honest, especially early in the game, just so they attempt to close out on him. Yeah, I mean, going forward, if you have Landry Shamet, Tyler Johnson, James Harden, Andre Roberson, and Clax, 
Yeah. I think or, that that probably or works Green. okay. Or or Jeff Green, yeah, or Kevin Durant, or yeah. who, whoever well, is Kevin at Durant, the five. Yeah, that's a big difference, Jack. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not too bad. He's pretty, he's pretty damn good. So I think that there are ways where he can be hidden, in a sense. And But I, I do at the same time think he needs to show us something offensively because Bruce Brown is showing a, a, a modicum of consistency where it's just like, this is one of the few games where he scored a double figures and the Brooklyn Nets haven't had a W. And he was, again, in double figures tonight and, and one of our more solid performers. And uh, he was good on both ends. And there were times where he gave away some fouls that probably weren't there, but Luke is going to draw you into those. Yep. He did it with pretty much everyone tonight. He's a, he's a wizard. He's an incredibly intelligent player and he's going to make good defenders look bad uh, on, on many occasions. So, look... I think that he he could take a leaf out of the playbook of Bruce Brown. I think if he continues to show effort on the boards, that's something because I I think he's a decent athlete and he can get back the relatively. Definitely good. pops. Yeah, he he he's a he's a good athlete and I think he can give us something. And you know, it seems to me that we are looking at trying to get a tryout out of out of him more so than Aman Shump. And Aman Shump, it seems to me to be like Noah Vonleh, just sort of a placeholder of sorts. Yeah, I agree on that too. I think with Roberson, he works a little bit better too when the offense is kind of more more organic, like where there's a lot of cutting and passing instead of kind of like we saw more James Harden ball tonight. And for a player that can't shoot, that's like the worst possible situation. When he's able to screen and start to cut a little bit, I think he's at least has some value. But like you said, he has to show it out there or it's going to be hard to play him. And, you know, the Amon Chumper things, it feels like they're not really interested in his play. Like if he makes a team, it's because they have an extra spot and they want him as a locker room guy. Because I will say this about Shump. He's constantly talking to everybody on the bench, and it looks like it's typically about the game and little callouts here and there. Yeah, definitely. You know, he can. He's still giving the team value off the court. And look, Chris Joe is probably one of the other sort of fifteenth men, and him, having him on a two-way, it's a. You know, there aren't many guys who can contribute on a two-way, and, and and while we give him plenty of criticism, you know, to be able to sort of fill in here and there for moments, it's it, it, a lot of teams don't have that sort of luxury. You know, you look at teams who are lacking depth, and like the Boston Celtics, and. Yeah, they've got a Jeff T and a Peyton Pritchard and, and these sort of guys, but he can sort of capably run an offense um, at times. So it's it's decent to have that guy uh, on a two-way deal. Yeah, I think I under you, we understand his skill set. I think the problem with Gioza is like if he's out there, he still needs like a go-to score, like somebody else who can get the bucket because like we've you know, seen in the past, like hesitant to shoot, obviously struggles with his height and defensively he's not going to be a plus, but the playmaking is there to kind of get things moving offensively in certain situations. Big time, big time. So it, it'll be interesting. We, we won't see him being playing meaningful minutes throughout the night, but who else did you want to touch on, Nick? I guess we could touch on Joe Harris, Landry Shamit. Nothing too crazy for them. Both guys finished with nine points, and like we kind of talked about, credit to Dallas's defense. Really kind of shut down some of the Nets' better shooters and allowed other guys to get shots because even the threes that Joe attempted, I don't think any were wide open tonight just given how Dallas was playing him. Except yeah, maybe one off a screen at the top on DeAndre with DeAndre Jordan pick. And, and I think that might have been an ATO play or out-of-bounds play or something. And look, those are plays where it's just money from Joe Harris. You know, he's there's stats are plenty coming from stat heads and, and everywhere. You know, he's shooting 55% on catch-and-shoot threes. He's shooting 60% on non-contest, all these different sort of things that it's just like... He is an, an offensive dynamo. He is incredible. And, you know, he had seven boards as well tonight. Did have a steal. He looked good defensively. There was some really nice defensive possession from him. And check out OGDBasketball.com for a really nice article of the defensive breakdown on Joe Harris as well. There's some really great detail that I'm not going to dive into here. Just check out the website. 
But I, I think that this was still a good game from both of those guys, and both of those guys can provide us value. I liked it when there were times in, for, in small spurts when they were both out there on the floor. Yeah. I know that we sort of you spoke about it a little bit earlier, and, and we were chatting in the DMs, Nick, about the decisiveness of Landry Shamet. After that point, it seemed to me that the next play and the plays onwards, he was like, "Cool, attack, attack, yep. take the shot, take the shot." Um, and and that, it, that was a, a really nice adjustment, whether it was mental, physical, mental, physical, or whatever. Um, I, I'm really liking the play of Landry Shamit, and I'm, I'm becoming confident um, in his role within this team. Yeah, I think, like you said, Jack, getting them on the floor together and running some plays for them to maybe alleviate some of the pressure off James Harden would have been the move, especially if like because both guys aren't hesitant to shoot that mid-range shot. You know what I mean? So if they're coming off a pick, it's not like they're forced to take that three. And even Shaman had a nice drive in this game. It was really just when Dallas was collapsing the pain. We saw that happen to Joe a little bit in this one. But overall, like you said, there just wasn't a lot of opportunities for these guys to do their thing tonight, you know, just given how Dallas played them and just how the playmaking was and everything, how it lined up. Yeah, it's easier to defend when James Harden is the fulcrum. He's going to be creating and finding you in those spots. And yep. when you don't have the extra guys who can create their own shots, be it Tyler Johnson and obviously Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, you know, it, it just narrows the floor. In, in and then so you have a non-shooters out there too, and it just shrinks it even more. It does, and and the and the Mavs also threw a little bit of zone here and there. Yep. There were times where I'm like, you know, the Nets can do a little bit better. And there were times where Jeff Green got some nice mid-range jumpers, and I, I like Bruce Brand as a bit of a zone buster as well. But it, uh, ultimately, their defensive, you know, sets were just uh, really successful, and a lot of that was because of the personnel, and a lot of it was because the the Nets weren't trying and, and engaged and motivated enough to go. All right, let's knock this shit over. Let's really get through this. Let's smash them. Let's. You know, if they're going to give us a zone, we're going to take these shots. We're going to hit these shots. And ultimately, Saturday night, in a little bit of a late start as well for um, yeah. Nets fans on the East Coast. But ultimately, there's one game where you, you take a little bit from it, you learn from it, and hopefully the Nets uh, bounce back with a W against the San Antonio Spurs in a couple of days. Yeah, and like you said, Jack, effort wasn't there. Energy wasn't high. Engagement wasn't high. The shooting wasn't great tonight. You know, sometimes that can bail you out. You have a hot night from three. They shot 31% from three, 40% from the field. And then you get bailed out sometimes just because you're more talented. But missing their, you know, most talented player and probably, you know, the third most talented player, not going to happen tonight. So overall, like you said, one game sample size, nothing really to get truly upset about. It's going to happen. Nets are eight and one in their last nine games. I think we're pretty happy about that. But anything else you want to touch on, Jack, before we get out here? In terms of the game, Nick, I think we've pretty much hit the nail on the head. You know, turnovers was were the big sort of culprit with a lot of that, and the Nets not hitting their own shots, and the, the lack of defense, uh, getting back in transition, all those different things allowed the Mavs to, to really punish us. And then the Nets normally can outscore a team and go bang, 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 but the offense wasn't on either. So, yep. you know, when both things aren't switched on offense and defense, you're not going to get a win um, against many teams, let alone the Dallas Mavericks. But a couple of things I wanted to touch on, Nick. Kevin Durant's still going to be the all-star captain, so that's pretty cool. Um, Kyrie Irving's probably going to get picked first. Yay. And I think it's going to be more entertaining because Giannis picking teams is just, nah, stuff that. Don't want to say that sort of stuff. But I thought that was kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, we Giannis heard... doesn't even do scouting reports. He says James Harden doesn't pass. Yeah, clearly uh, he does not watch basketball or the new <laughs> version of the Brooklyn Nets. And uh, I just thought that was a pretty cool piece of news that we got today. Yeah, no, I agree. I was kind of curious about it too, especially because he's not playing, but it'll be cool. He'll probably, I would assume, they'll still let him be at the game, but I'm not 100% sure with the whole COVID thing. So they might be like, you know, we don't want an extra body here, but at least he gets to pick the team. Like you said, Kyrie will be first for the starter picks. James Harden will be first for the reserve picks. 
Damn right. You know, bring <laughs> the three best players probably in the All-Star game anyway. Uh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm just putting it out there. I'm just putting it out there. Why not? Why not? And in other KD news, Nicholas, KD news. This is KD news. And I'm not talking just, about... I saw this nonsense. <laughs> cash doll, okay? 314 at cash doll. She thinks she's the real KD, Nicholas. I have no idea what the hell's going on. But I love that Kevin Durant got in the mentions and like and was in, in response to this. You did not have to use those initials to get this tweet off. You have to relax with the KD talk. Your name is Cash Doll. KD is a KD's a king for this one, man. Yeah, I think this uh, woman is just trying to shoot her shot right here, making a move at Kevin Durant. It seemed like it was some playful flirting. So good for him. Why not? I mean, she in response to that, she did. She gave the quote tweet. I feels like the quote tweet is for more attention. Kevin Ray getting the mentions. He doesn't care about. Yeah. It's got like a hundred thousand likes and all the responses there. But when you quote tweet, you're doing it to put it on your timeline, and you want everyone to sort of see that shit. But her response to Kevin Ray's comments there, she says, "I'm the real KD." Uh, parentheses. Your name, Kevin Durant. Act accordingly. Heart emoji. I think the heart emoji is a, a little bit of playful banter there. Um, Kevin, he, I I call Kevin Durant KD more than I call. Just him. ask Google. Yeah. Hey, 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 Siri, or hey, Google, whichever. <laughs> there we go. Siri's, Siri's listening. But in, in saying that, it was a bit of fun, and it was nice to wake up to Kevin Durant continuing to be the king of the Twitter platform. Yeah, and obviously, you know, we we talked about the hamstring, and he's not going to be playing, but I think that's a smart move for the Nets. Rest him, make sure he's good to go, and we need him for that long stretch of the season. And I feel like also the James Harden trade continues to look better for Sean Marks because, you know, Kyrie and Kevin Durant have dealt with some of these smaller injuries where it's like you had a feeling they were going to miss games, and maybe he felt that early on. He felt like the move was more important than maybe what we felt, and, you know, credit to Sean Marks. Yeah, it's uh, the the move is looking better by the day. You know, you're not going to win the Phoenix Suns game. You're not going to win these games where those two superstars are out because as great as Karis Avert, Jared Allen, and Toy and Prince are, you know, they don't have the the superstar talent and the ability to just lead a team by themselves uh, that James Harden does. You know, he's done yep. it for years and years and years in Houston, um, and he can make the the best of role players look good. Um, he couldn't do it for TLC tonight, but I think a lot of that was TLC himself. <laughs> yes. And I mean, just Kyrie and James Harden as a duo would probably be a 50-win team. So it's like, and now they have the option of having just like the flexibility with all three of these guys. I'm really excited for the second half of the season because feels like this first half is probably going to drag out maybe a touch, guys getting rested and whatnot, and obviously players excited to have that break because they've been playing a lot of basketball. Yeah, and I'm intrigued to see if there are moves made, if there's anything to those Spencer Dinwiddie rumors that yep. Mark Spears reported on the jump and... You know, whether there is a desire for Spencer Dinwiddie to actually be in Brooklyn, whether the Brooklyn wants him, what could they get for him? Uh, I, know I saw Josh Richardson being a, a point of a, a, a player that was sort of talked about. And, you know, I don't hate that. Um, it, at the end of the day, if Spencer Dinwiddie doesn't want to be in Brooklyn, it, it, it behooves Sean Marks to make a move. No, not for just PJ Tucker. That's goddamn stupid. But, you know, I think Josh Richardson probably has a, some value uh, on the market as well. It'll be interesting to see what is done because the Nets getting a, just another rotation player, healthy rotation player, to add to their team and using Spencer Dimity in that, Aaron Gordon, whoever else it might be, it only strengthens the team. You know, we'd love to have Spencer Dimity healthy right now because I think he would add a ridiculous amount to this team. But Especially a night like tonight. 
Yeah, and if the Nets can't afford to pay him or they don't want to pay him because of their luxury tax implications as well, you know, just get a guy for this year. Get a guy on an expiring deal or get a guy who you could get on the cheap and maybe get a little bit cheaper than Spencer Dewey because he's going to make a little bit of cash now with the, the limited options on the free agency market. So I think Sean Marks has a, a couple of things other than just the buyout market and waiting, see what happens with JaVale McGee and Andre Drummond and all these sort of guys. You know, the Spencer Dimity thing is something that is a tool that I, and obviously we know about the DPE and um, the, uh, the taxpayer MLE as well. But I think this Spencer Dib, the asset, you know, obviously he's more than an asset. We love Spencer Dimwitty uh, more than any other. He, though he still hasn't come on the buzz yet. I've got this tequila ready, Spence. If you want to jump on before you, you get traded, mate, or even when you do get traded, well, we're always welcome on the buzz. You're always a buzz fan here, um, Spence. But yeah, so I, I'm, I'm intrigued to see if we can get something out of that. Um, and if the Nets can add, the Nets can add to their rotation, um, then it only makes them even more of a dangerous force. Yeah, I mean, it's really intriguing. Obviously, it's an interesting situation given he's an injured player and what he's meant to this Brooklyn franchise. It'd kind of be, you know, a situation and a conversation Sean Marks would have with Spencer Dinwiddie and obviously things like that. But like you said, there's an opportunity to add, you know, a defensive wing or even another big to this roster that could help you in the playoffs. I think it's something you have to consider. And one note on the taxpayer mid-level exception, Bobby Marks tweeted out today, from every day forward, the Nets don't use it. It's reduced by thirty nine thousand dollars. Thirty nine thousand dollars. I could use thirty nine thousand yeah. dollars right now, Nick. And I did it like a rough estimate of the math. And by the time it's past the deadline, it'll be around four million ish instead of that five point seven, which isn't a big deal because it'll still be more than what other teams had. And he mentioned too the disabled player exception does not get reduced, so the Nets will still have five point seven million there. The biggest difference between the two is. Disabled player exception could only be a one-year deal, where on the taxpayer mid-level exception, if maybe it was a guy they really liked, they could sign him to a two-year deal or even a three-year deal. Yeah, interesting to to know that. In saying all of that, Nick, and taking it all into account, if you're Sean Marks, do you pull the trigger and, and trade Spence Dimwitty? Oh, man, that's a, honestly, it really would depend on me. Like, personally, my conversation with Spencer and what he was leaning towards in the future and if he felt comfortable being traded while being injured and during rehab. And obviously, I think it would depend on the organization, too. I felt it felt uh, like it was really interesting Detroit was one of the teams interested in Dinwiddie. Yeah, Chicago probably. He could fit pretty well yeah, over there. he'd be there. perfect in Chicago, to be honest. He'd be so damn good in, in Chicago and really elevate them. And, and in Detroit, too, you know, a real upgrade of a guy like DeLon right now. I think he could provide some some mentorship to a guy like Killian Hayes, too. I, yeah. I see some similarities into some of their games being sort of like bigger guards in that sense. I think that a lot of teams will clamor for Spencer Dimley services. It looks like he's going to be healthy heading into the offseason. Um, he's continuing to, to, to work there. And, you know, if he's back by the end of the season, then cool, let's keep him and, and, and we'll see what we can do and retain the asset. We've seen that, you know, we're willing to go into the luxury tax. Josiah has shown that. But at the end of the day, I think that the transparency that Sean Marks has had in his conversations with other players, I'm hoping he's doing the same with Spencer. And I'm, I'm assuming he is because yep. Spencer's representing himself now. So ultimately, he's the person to be chatting to. You're not chatting to an agent. You're not chatting to someone else behind the scenes. You're going straight to the source, and it's and it's Spencer Dimwitty. And you know, we heard when Karis Avert and Jared Allen, all these sort of people, were saying, "Look, we sort of knew, like we kind of had an idea." You know, Sean Marks came to us and sort of let us know about this, these rumors floating around, and how they were interested and they weren't interested, all this sort of thing. So, I think that the relationship, hopefully, with Sean Marks and Spencer Dimwitty is still solid, and I think that it'll work best for both parties. You know, if a trade were to occur, if a trade weren't to occur, I'm just sort of figure it out and see where each other stands as the organization and as the player. 
especially if it's a situation where, like, hypothetically, let's say Dallas traded for him and they want him in their long-term future. Like, hey, we want you to be, you know, maybe our third best player, our third star or something in that role next to Luka and KP. And that's like an opportunity for them to get him before he hits the free agent market or get him in house and then kind of get him comfortable. And obviously Spencer is from Texas. So I think that's been another team really brought up to. I mean, you know, Houston as well, if yep. they're willing to, they're going to have bug rule money to, to pay dudes. And it looks like they're trying to get rid of Victor Oladipo as well. And, you know, it's not like Spencer Dinwiddie is, uh, he's currently in the prime of his career. And I have no doubt that I think he's going to come back fitter and better than ever. And yeah. he has shown a, a level of flexibility in his role. He can lead a team if there are guys who are out. He can be that sort of six-man role. Um, uh, so I think that a lot of other teams would be worthwhile you know, pursuing him. And I'm sure that he knows that. And um, it, the market being is what it is now. It seems to me that it's like him and Drew Holiday are the guys that sort of stick out as the, the big free agents. And, yeah. and Drew Holiday will probably go pretty quick. And that leaves Spencer Dinwiddie is probably the, the second prize, the silver medal. And it's a pretty damn good one. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting situation. Obviously, we're going to hear about it probably for the next month unless a trade does happen sooner than later. But Jack, anything else you want to touch on? Look, I'm excited to see how the Nets close out this game, uh, the, the next couple of games before the All-Star break. I unfortunately won't be here for San Antonio Spurs game because work keeps me late and I don't want to keep my dude Nick Fay up into the wee hours of the night editing and listening to my stupid voice at all hours of the night. You're not going to be going to sleep when you listen to this Aussie Tones um, at a certain point in time. When I heard people say they listen to our podcast to go to sleep to sometimes, I'm just like, Really, Ow. me? That would, uh, it would hurt my ears if I'm you know, chanting Bruce or if I'm doing some other chant or doing some stupid raps. But I'll be back for the Houston Rockets game, hopefully, uh, and we'll see how we go with that. And then the All-Star break, we've got some fun stuff planned. Hopefully, we can get some of our listeners on board uh, and get some questions and some mailbags and stuff. So exciting stuff ahead for the Nets, exciting stuff ahead for the Buzz. Yes, sir, Jack. As always, big pleasure. And big thanks, everybody, for listening. Like Jack said, we really appreciate all the support we've received this season. And as always, you can find us on all stream platforms. That's well. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom, and a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.